0: what's up everyone welcome to the deer vein podcast and this episode is specifically part of the white tail series segment within my podcast the Whitetail series is 27 episodes in total, nine based around the early season, nine based around the pre-rut and rut, and nine based around the late season. So if you're having problems in one of those sections of the seasons, just sit down, binge these episodes. You'll get a lot of tips, a lot of tactics, a lot of strategies, You know, different types of places and areas to hunt and different types to try, public land and private land. And you just get a lot of information and hopefully a lot of entertainment. I have guests on here from the Midwest, the East, and the South. So you're gonna it's gonna likely retain relevancy for everybody. And then also these podcasts are gonna be airing two to four weeks in advance of that section of the season. So that you should be able to use the tactics that you listen to this year in your season this fall. So I hope it's a huge value to you guys. I really wanted to do it for myself. And I thought this would be a great share for everybody else. I also have a couple partners with this one, Onyx Hunt and Arrow Hunter Saddles, a couple great companies helping me advertise and push this out to everybody and just hopefully make everybody a better hunter and more successful this fall. Onyx Hunt, if you don't know, is a GPS mapping app where you get satellite maps. Uh, topo maps, hybrid maps, it shows public and private land boundaries, which is a big reason that I got it. But uh, you can add waypoints, trails, all that kind of stuff as well. But the biggest reason I got it is because it works offline. A lot of the places I hunt don't have data, don't have service. So I can cache all those maps on my phone, walk around and I'm still have all my waypoints. I can still use my GPS. And then as far as Hunter saddles go, like for me, Arrow Hunter Saddles makes the most comfortable saddle, the Kestrel Flex. The Merlin just came out. Um, and if you're getting into saddle hunting or you want to try it, I really encourage you to take a look at them. Like I, like I said, I tried a few different saddles on and the the Kestrel Flex just fit me the best and was the most comfortable. And, um, I, I I really like them and most adjustable. Also they're hundred percent made in the USA, which is a phenomenal piece. Um, I'm a big USA supporter. And if I can get keep all those jobs here in the US, I will for sure. So uh go check those guys out if you're looking into saddles. Also use the code DVAin10. That's the letter D, and then vein then the numbers one zero at checkout and you'll get 10% off a saddle. All right. Without further ado, let's hop into the podcast. What's up everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vein podcast. Uh this week I got Chase Prince on from Chasing tails. They also have a podcast, Chasing Tails Podcast. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook and all the different socials as well. Um, But they're out of, Chase is out of like Central, are you Central, North Central Florida?
1: Yep, North Central Florida.
0: Yep, okay. So Chase is out of North Central Florida um, and they got some crazy stuff going on there with their seasons opening. Some of them open August 1st, others of them open late September. And so today for the quote unquote early season, we're just going to talk to Chase about how he goes about um, getting after deer in those first couple months of season. Cause it sounds like just from talking to him real quickly that some people like open August 1st and it's already the rut. (laughs) So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy down in Florida, just like everything else in Florida. (laughs) It's pretty crazy, but I find that super intriguing and super awesome. So Chase, can you just give everybody uh, just a, a real quick, you know, five minute background on kind of your hunting um, being in North Central, public-private, like what you're up to.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, my name's Chase Prince. I co-host uh, the Chase and Tails Outdoor Podcast uh, with a good buddy of mine, Walter Lee. Uh, I'm located in the North Central Florida region. Uh, he's out of the Panhandle. And I have been hunting for probably the past 14 years. Uh, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't come from like a hunting family. I actually didn't. I got started hunting in my early 20s, about 21. Uh, It was actually funny. It was through my wife. Uh, It was my father in law is the one who actually got me into hunting. Um, He is a big time hunter. And uh, he asked me, he's like, Hey, man, are you interested in going hunting? And I'd always kind of had like a desire to hunt just really no one to go with I would see my buddies and stuff from school uh, that would hunt during hunt season and they'd show me some pictures of their deer and things like that and I was like man I'd like to do that uh, someday and then it just so happens I get married and uh, kind of married into a a deer hunting family although my wife doesn't deer hunt at all (laughs) she's kind of the one she's like oh poor deer (laughs) type thing (laughs) But uh, her dad, her dad's a hardcore hunter, which is kind of funny. Um, he's been all over the United States, uh, hunting. So he got me into hunting. I'm a firefighter, uh, by day. Uh, I say podcast host by night, but yeah, the uh, firefighter schedule, which, uh, is great for hunting. Um,
0: (laughs) is that, are you on a three day on, three day on? I
1: do, no, I do one day on two days off. Okay. That's how much. So 24 on 48 off. Yeah. Yep. That is uh so we get so we do have quite a bit of time uh to be out in the woods. And then if we take a day off, then we have five days in a row off um to go hunting. So (laughs) I mean it works, it's it's a great schedule. Um we, we have quite a few guys that hunt that are that are firefighters. Um so that's always fun. Um we're always talking strategy and uh things like that. But I have when I started out hunting. Um, it's kind of like the same as a lot of people kind of start out hunting where someone gets you into hunting and they kind of give you a a little bit about all right you set up a few stands you go sit in these stands. Um, Florida is a um, like baiting state so you can put out feeders and things like that so it was kind of like all right you just you go sit in a stand you hunt over a feeder you wait for a deer to come out and um, shoot it and I was like okay cool so I did that for a little bit but I was one of those people that kind of figured out early on that um, my deer encounters were going down the more I would go to a spot. And I really didn't use, think about wind or anything. No one really ever didn't tell me a lot of things that you would just, if you grew up, you would kind of know about hunting. So sure. I kind of oh, just yeah. got, my father-in-law just kind of stuck me out there. He's like, yeah, get you a bow, get you a gun and Man, you hear some first, stands.
0: And- dude, the first time I ever went hunting, I, so my family doesn't hunt at all. Um, I was kind right. of the first, first hunter in my family. I showed up to my buddy's house and said, Hey, do you have some broadheads I could borrow? <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like that was, you know, that was my first time ever hunting. So, uh, um, oh, yeah. but anyway, yeah, it's kind of that natural, that natural progression of a hunter, regardless of the age, right? Even right. if you're, if you're 13 or you're 25 or you're 50 years old, like, you, like certain things that are inherent to people who have hunted for 10, 15 years are not inherent to newcomers, like playing the wind. Oh, you have to
1: really worry about their nose. Really? Does that (laughs) sound right? Yes. Yeah. I found that out pretty quick, but now people have podcasts and YouTube and it shortens the learning curve by miles because when I first started hunting, there really wasn't much on YouTube. I didn't even know what a podcast was um, until like about three or four years ago. Um, so it was just a lot of trial and error, which I think is kind of a, kind of a good thing because uh, it makes you kind of challenge yourself and uh, think more on, okay, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to uh, fix this? Um, there was a lot of times in the beginning where I probably made a lot of mistakes on deer and things like, like just little things about just getting ready for the deer when they get close to you or something, just being ready um because i would kind of sit there and be like oh here comes a deer and then oh the next thing you know i'm in a stand where i would have to stand up and the deer's right on top of me and i would stand up and then the deer would like look up at me and just (laughs) trot off and i'm like what happened what what, did this deer know i was even in the world i'm up in this tree but you figure out real quick that uh the deer are real uh savvy animals and uh you definitely got to step up your game uh, especially in uh florida for sure um these deer are kind of wiry for the most part um <laughs> so it, it's it, it's been a challenge but uh it's been fun and the more that i hunt i'm one of those guys that just loves to hunt like whenever i started hunting it was just like a, a fire was in me it was almost like an immediate addiction um nice. i grew up playing sports yeah. and things like that uh for the most part so i've always been kind of competitive And (laughs) I, when I first started hunting, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go out there and crush it, man. I'm going to kill these giant 10 point bucks and just, just everything like that. Just say, man, this is going to be easy. And then I found out real quick that it's definitely not as easy (laughs) (laughs) as I thought it was. But as the years go, as the years go on, I've gotten a a lot better and I've um, started to figure things out and I've hunted some properties for longer and just getting a history on those properties and things like that have definitely helped me out. So yeah, Uh man, that's all that's right
0: no that's a great that's a great synopsis you've given me like we could talk about just that whole synopsis for the next hour hour and a half <laughs> right yeah <laughs> oh, right in the in the interest of i want to ask you a ton of questions but i just have to say that most people when they get married they 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 have a problem with their in-laws it sounds like you hit the
1: jackpot <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. My, right? my father-in-law is a big-time hunter so yeah uh, he, he It's good to have somebody that uh, kind of shares that passion with you in in the family, and and my wife up for you when you go hunting has is also (laughs) great because she kind of lets me hunt um, a lot more than probably other wives do. So uh, I I can that's I'm definitely lucky in that aspect for sure. No, that's cool.
0: Um, All right, so in the interest interest of keeping this kind of about the first couple months uh, of season, right? That's what we're looking at today. So when we were just kind of getting uh, – when we were talking right before we got on, I said, so what's, so what's kind of generally what it's like early season? And you said, well, it, it's totally different because there's some states down – or some zones down south that opened August 1st, right? And you said, like, yep. the guy down there was already experiencing rut. Yep. Yeah. And uh, day, Florida so – Getting after it.
1: Yeah. And Florida has four zones, Okay. Um, a b c and d uh they uh, we have our zone a which i mentioned it started august 1st um i'm in zone c and it starts uh, like september 19th we have a zone b which is a real small portion in the middle of the state which starts uh, sometime in october and our zone d which is kind of in the panhandle of florida uh, also starts uh, in october as well
0: okay gotcha so then as so then you're starting out in mid-september so if you're like give me a give me a look at how you're taking a look at actually let me back up a second so put yourself in the shoes of kind of a, a newer hunter or a first time hunter this is their first year out or something like that and they want to go hunting this fall and they're like all right i got september 19th that opens um where are you gonna, how are you gonna go look at a piece of public property or piece of private property? Like, what are you gonna look for? How are you gonna scout that? How are you gonna figure out where to sit in the first place? Right. What do you do? do?
1: Well, Florida is kind of a tricky state. Um, I can kind of give you on the areas that I hunt, how I would uh, look at it. Uh, I hunt in an area that's super flat. Um, We don't really have terrain features. Um, to speak of, like when you're in the Midwest, um, like I mentioned, you they've got funnels, they've got ridges. Um, I hear all these terms. We're on privileged
0: because we have we have the funnels,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I I never, uh, and, and kind of where we're at, it's more like getting a place where you can see a long ways. <laughs> um, but okay. if I were, uh, you got to think about Florida when you're starting off hunting like when i'm starting off hunting when you go to hunt in evening time sit you may be sitting in 95 degrees uh weather right. so you're oh, you're yeah. hunting deer at 95 and that may last for probably the first few weeks of the season maybe probably first three and sometimes even longer than that heck i've, I've hunted in january before it was like 85 degrees <laughs> um but we do get oh, yeah. some weather down here where it, where it cools off but when you're starting off you're starting off in the morning times. Uh, it'll probably start around 70. You're, you're talking about starting the morning hunt off at, at 70, somewhere around 70 degrees. And then evening time hunt. if you want to go out, you're going to be hunting in the nineties, uh, somewhere I've I've hunted in shorts and t-shirt before <laughs> uh, down here in Florida. Um, yeah. and the humidity is super uh, high as well. So you're definitely going to uh, sweat, but I it's for a new hunter. Um, See, I run a lot of trail cameras. I like okay. to use a lot of trail cameras to uh, try to figure out where deer are. I'll hunt. I hunt some public, and then I hunt private land as well. So, on the private land, obviously, I have ways that I can get pictures with them if we've got, because uh, Florida you can feed, so you've got feeders and things sure. like that where you can kind of uh, get pictures of deer. Um, in public land, public land's kind of difficult um, in Florida. I know, like myself and Uh, my co-host Walter and a lot of people you talk to it takes it's not like you can go out there that usually that first year and really be that successful hunting it just because you're hunting like uh, you're not really hunting a lot of sometimes you're hunting diverse habitats but it's a lot of monoculture so you may have like huge flats of pine trees um, that you're hunting on some properties where some or you may have just a lot of hardwoods on there um, but it's mainly the same type of uh, like terrain, it's all, it's all gonna be flat. So really there's not a gotcha. lot to dictate where they're gonna travel. You can scout and you're like, okay, man, this looks like a beat down trail. And you'll move a little bit further and there'll be another beat down trail, a little bit further. And then there'll be another one a little bit further. So there's just trails all through like the, these pine flats and hardwoods and things like that. And you're like, man, why are these deer using this trail? You, and you may put a game camera up on that trail and a week or two may go by, and you might see a doe or two that has used that trail, that specific trail. And You're like, okay, I'm going to move it, and it could be the same thing on another trail for Florida. So, when I'm going out early season, now, we do have some areas where, because deer are creatures of edge and things like that, and where there's more, let's say, habitats that kind of come together. So, Florida has some swamps. We've got pine trees. We've got a oak flats and things like that, where if you can find where all of those kind of come together, like where you got two or three habitats that kind of come together, that'll kind of funnel um, the deer and the deer kind of like to uh, hang out in those areas. Um, I was talking to you earlier about like bedding. Um, And I mentioned that they pretty much bed everywhere in Florida. There's no really like defined bedding, Um, even just because it's so thick. Um, everywhere for the most part in a lot of places uh, at least okay. where I'm at yeah. they can they can bed anywhere um, there's nothing that's going to go okay uh, they're going to be bedded over here this time of the year the crops are coming down okay they're, they're going to move over to here type things we do have some agriculture uh, in Florida um, where I'm at there's a little bit more uh, ag but it's not like huge cornfields or soybean fields or things like that like we have watermelons, peanuts and they're not bedding in those. They may go right. out there at night and, and feed in those things but they're, they're not staying there. They've just got so much uh, woods and uh, things to go bed in and we do have some areas where we'll get um, like real tall grasses and things like that where well they're bed but it's hard to really say you're going to hunt like a specific buck bed or they're going to sit on this wind. They're going to bet more likely to bed over here because they can bed anywhere. So they don't, they don't have to pick like, okay, I'm going to bed on this wind over in this area and this bed when the wind's different. Um, and there's no, and it doesn't get cold here. So it's not like they're picking bedding based on, okay, I'm going to get on this South slope or whatever that (laughs) you call the duck bedding in the Midwest (laughs) where y'all are at. Um, and I only know this because I listen to some podcasts from uh, the Midwest (laughs) But Florida, we kind of will look for some food sources early on. So we do have, uh, we got live, we got all kinds of acorns. So we'll have white oaks, we'll have uh, live oaks, swamp chestnut oaks. So if you can find uh, a good food source, maybe early season, we do have some uh, persimmons. Um, We'll have some grapes and things like that um, where I'm at. I know down kind of in the central part of the state, they have big uh, orange groves. Um, where they're at and a lot of guys hunt those orange groves um because there'll, there'll be a bunch of deer hanging out in those areas they
0: actually eat the oranges or are they just eating the leaves and everything off that tree any idea that
1: i'm not sure of um, okay I, i'll i mean deer deer down here eat everything that's the other thing
0: i would imagine is they would yeah
1: everything is a food source because it stays green nearly year round like we yeah. don't get uh, where it's, oh, not, that it's, is. Not, it's always green so they've always got stuff to browse on they're not ever I mean they'll browse on some woody browse but everything is green down here um pretty much 365 so they've right. always got something that they can kind of uh, pick at now they obviously have some preferred foods uh, that they would like to hit and wish it same thing with seasonal like acorns are seasonal um, right now, they're probably uh, hitting up a bunch of just like said the fresh green stuff that uh, is just everywhere. They really don't have to. That's not, They really don't have to get up much, especially right now. I mean, they can bed in an area where there's plenty of food. Um, right. I, I've seen that before, where I'm like, okay, they're they're bedded in this huge area over here, but they don't have to move much. Right. Um, to to feed around, and it's kind of the same thing where you're at. Um, I'm assuming certain times where they really don't have to get up that much. I mean, if it's raining and acorns and things like that, they could probably get in areas where, all right, I can just travel over this real quick, grab some, go back and, uh, bed down and then I'll get up in the night, uh, and go feed. Yeah. So,
0: no, I have, uh, yeah, I recently found a, a spot on a property that I hunt where I found some beds kind of over the winter. I do a lot of scouting when there's snow on the ground. I know you guys don't really get that. It's this white fluffy stuff that comes from the sky um you can kind of catch it on your tongue tastes like water um right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh but when there's like snow on the ground i can go around and look for the beds right i can see where they're actually like laying down and stuff and i found one yeah. on the base of a hill which usually like they like to bed in the midwest they like to bed on the upper third of like a hill side so they can look down right, right. um that's generally how they but this was all on the base and i was kind of looking at that and wondering why and i was noticing that there, that from the beds there were tracks going to the base of the hill and at the base of the hill it was so steep and there were acorns like oaks up on top the acorns would roll down the hill and they were sitting there feeding on acorns taking 10 steps eating the acorns going back and laying back down it was just a super right. interesting uh thing that i found but you make a great point because a lot of the times when you're, when you're hunting whitetails and you're looking to figure out where they are or how you can kind of cut them off or surprise them, catch them off guard, you're looking for that limiting factor, right? It's limiting water or limited water or limited food or limited bedding or limited travel areas, like, you know, with cover. It sounds like you have none of those. They're all just pretty
1: much infinite down there. They're not limited right? Right. For the most part. Now, now, if yeah. you do find something like that, you, you've hit the jackpot. <laughs> but they really, even down here, like I said, they, they eat on so much like fresh, lush, green vegetation and things like that. They really don't have to go to water that much, even though it's hot down here. Um, they, they really get a lot of their water through what, what they're eating on uh, sure. down here. I've, I've made water holes and things like that before. Uh, I've put cameras on just like little natural water holes and stuff, and I'll catch yeah. some deer here and there, but not like you would think you would see um, sure. with as hot as it is down here. So I think they get a lot of it from what they're what they're eating on. Okay. But even the the, the cyber scouting uh, for Florida, I've always found the cyber scouting tough because, like I said, you can pull up like a, a hybrid on your onyx or whatever and like okay i want to see what it looks like and i want to see some uh topo as well and yeah. it's like nothing like you can look at things and you'll see absolutely <laughs> like, no yellow lines on it yeah. like absolutely nothing <laughs> on there and you're like i swear i have to topo <laughs> yeah yeah so there's a going. lot there's a lot of uh you need to put boots on the ground in okay. florida um it's definitely gotcha. one of those states where you have to get out and you have to uh put in the uh, the scouting time, looking for signs. I mean, sure. down here, I mean, we do, they do make uh, rubs and scrapes and everything else. And you can kind of uh, get a good idea, okay, the deer are using this area right now. Um, it's not necessarily, I haven't ever really hunted scrapes that much. I do know some people that have success down here uh, hunting over scrapes. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of like, there's, the buck to doe ratio is kind of is out of whack in florida for the most part there's a lot more does than there are bucks mainly because the way it used to be which they just changed this in florida you could shoot two deer a day every day for the whole season really and those two and those two deer could be bucks
0: holy cow so
1: technically you could shoot two bucks a day every day for the entire season and as we <laughs> mentioned the season for florida is August 1st through March 3rd. Um, So depending on what zone you're in, but you can hunt any zone you want if you have a a Florida license. So uh, a lot of bucks, um, I would say a lot, but people could shoot two bucks a day if they really wanted to. Um, In our does, you could shoot them in our archery season. And then there would be like a almost kind of like a late season, um, like two or three day window where, the uh, rifle hunters could come in and, uh, shoot some does, uh, if they wanted to, but we, it's nothing to see a ton of does, uh, in in the, at least in the area I hunt, um, to see a ton of does while you're out. I mean, I've had sits where I've seen like 30 or 40 does, um, in a sit and you may see like a, a couple of bucks in that same sit, but I mean, there are, we do have bucks, but it's just, I don't know what the buck to doe ratio is, but um, I know it's way off from one to one um, right. for sure. So that kind of makes uh-huh. it difficult when you're thinking about even a rut. Cause like say they could be in full rut, but a rut could be trickled throughout the whole season for the state of Florida, because in most areas in Florida, like I mentioned, it doesn't get cold. So it's not like they have a specific time. They have to breed, you know what I mean? Like in the Midwest mm-hmm. where you have, it's like, if a for fawn survival rates, things like that, they're yeah. going to want to breed at this peak time mainly for the fawns to be big enough one in Florida that's not really a uh, issue um, at all so Um. I've I shot a buck last year I'll give you a good case because mainly where I'm at like our rut normally is about a month after our season starts Um, okay and it was on a piece of public and I went and scouted the day before um, just to kind of because it was more it was a quota hunt so they really kind of limit when you can get in there So I went in there, kind of scouted the day before. I jumped a buck and a doe that were together up in this area and went back there the next day uh, to hunt it and ended up shooting uh, the buck with the doe again. They were going back to the same little bedding area that they were in. Um, But that was our second weekend of our season. So basically in (laughs) September, he was already tending a doe. You know what I mean?
0: Holy cow. So... Um, so
1: you could get a little bit of rut action early on Um, where I'm at like I said it's more like a month uh, after the season has kind of started is where a lot of the does kind of come in Um, but yeah that at the beginning you could technically have a buck already tending a doe uh, starting the season off for Florida
0: fine huh yeah all right so then if you're I mean if you're getting boots on the ground and you're going out and checking out a piece Um, and the deer can pretty much go like anywhere i imagine you're looking for like the most like kind of what i want to say finite like um discrete funnels or just very discrete pinch points like things that deer see that humans just typically wouldn't even you just walk right past and not notice does that sound right you're just looking for those
1: yes yeah um okay. for the most part that's what uh I, I would be looking for um unless there's just a awesome uh, food source or something that i'm like okay there's a ton of deer using right here um right now Th- this is kind of the area i want to be in but if you're uh, there are some i have found a few like i would call like pinch points more okay. for florida that we'd be hunting kind of pinch points maybe maybe a funnel, but there, there are some areas where maybe it's just super thick and it, it kind of all goes down in this one little area that opens up a little bit. Um, I've found that the deer will kind of want to travel that um, where I'm at. They'll use those areas to kind of travel some. They'll feel a little bit more comfortable just because it's super thick uh, all around them, but it'll kind of pinch down into an area uh, open up a little bit. Um, anywhere I can find, like if you're if you're got, say you got pines that kind of go to uh, like oak trees and things like that. Um, Anywhere, there are areas where I can kind of find where they kind of will use or pinch down to those uh, oak flats. Um, I'll I'll try to uh, key in on that. Um, But I do, uh, one of the things that I like to do and which I would kind of recommend a first time hunter or somebody just getting into hunting for Florida is you're gonna have to do observation sits. Um, i found that that has helped me be uh, a lot more successful is you're just going to have to get into some areas where florida's pretty thick for the most part but there are areas where you can get where you can kind of see and maybe if you get a certain wind or whatever where you know you're good and you can get up uh, on a because our pine trees are you can get up super high on a lot of these pine trees and i would recommend going to areas and doing observation sets and go okay Uh, I'm seeing deer use this area a lot and then go down there and you may want to hunt it, but you may also go, okay, why are they using this specific area? There's obviously a reason that they're using this specific area over here and try to catalog that and go, okay, now we're, if I'm going somewhere else, maybe on that same property or something, see if I can find that same thing on the property somewhere else. So apply that to,
0: same knowledge somewhere else. Yeah
1: because you don't want to have, you don't want to just be limited to a spot. Obviously you want to find multiple spots in an area and if you can kind of figure out, okay this is what the deer are doing over here, maybe they're doing the same thing uh, over there as well and maybe I can find that, that same little uh, either habitat uh, that they're using or maybe they prefer to use, like I said, they, they like where a bunch of different habitats come together. So if I can find that, where like a swamp comes into a oak flat or uh, butted up to pine trees or things like that, that's where I kind of focus on because that'll kind of pinch them down to an area.
0: Sure, yeah, and you mentioned that earlier too, which is a great point. And that's the same thing in the Midwest, those terrain, like those biosphere edges, when you have a pine, like kind of a pine plantation meet a swamp or pine meets oak or oaks meet swamp any sort of edge like that seems to really be effective at holding deer and and or at least have traveling deer right Um, right they just like those edges i i couldn't tell you why they just do Um, (laughs) yep
1: (laughs) right yeah i think it's just the diversity of an area uh to be honest with you especially kind of down here maybe uh they, they want some acorns but they want some some green stuff as well so if they can find it all kind of bunched up in an area or pinched up in an area that um that they can get everything they kind of want in that one area and they don't have to move as much then i think that's attractive for them
0: sure so you mentioned on some of the private you can use feeders can you do that on public as well or no
1: no you can't bait uh on public um, but you you can use uh feeders uh mineral sites um things like that on uh, private land so and, and obviously that helps uh bring them to an area obviously if yeah. you bait um that's in a lot of the bait like it's kind of like anywhere else well at least for florida a lot of your more mature, mature deer aren't going to come to those in the daylight <laughs> for the most part right uh, well but, they know it's
0: there and they know it's safe at night so why go during the day
1: right. yeah and yeah. now and now you might catch them like during the rut like circling downwind of those areas just checking for does because they will come to check those areas Um, for does quite a bit because I know the does will be uh, uh, hitting those areas Um, and I would say the best thing to do there is if you can figure out where they're bedding which isn't generally easy but some areas you can some areas you're like okay on my little piece right here I know the deer are gonna this is where they're gonna have to bed if they are bedded here for the most part you can kind of it's almost like anything else like if you're hunting a a big ag field where you're at you want to get in between the food and the bedding right. so and if the bucks are getting up in the evenings they're obviously they're they're getting up before dark for the most part they just may not be making it to your feeder or whatever else maybe you're noticing right. oh, he's always here an hour after uh dark or whatever so <laughs> like, well you may need to move further in from where you're at sure, sure. but yeah you, you you can use um feed and things like that and that definitely helps but it's not I wouldn't call it like a mature buck tactic or anything like that. But no. if you're new to hunting, and want an experience, then
0: it'll get you. Yeah. There. If you want to see deer, <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
1: yeah. If you want to see deer, yeah, you're good. As long as you're factoring in, you're, you're using the wind and you've got like a, a secure stand location where you can get in without spooking deer and things like that. Then uh, you can get away with a lot more if you think about that, which is stuff that I never really, I wasn't thinking about when I first started hunting, but if you, If you know that going into it, then, uh, you can sit those stands quite a few times without ever, uh, know the deer knowing you're there.
0: Yeah, no. And that's one thing that's really been, um, I hate this. I'm not even going to use it. It's, it's really improved. I hate the word game changer. I think it's overused. (laughs) I think it's really overused, but, um, it's really, really improved my success ratio of at, at least seeing deer is having um, extremely precise and calculated entry and exit routes. Like those yep. to me are just, as, are just as important, if not more important than the actual stand location itself. Because if you can get in without them knowing you're there and you can get out without them knowing you're there, you can hunt that location. And it, like to your point earlier about observation sits, you can be there and, and understand how they're using a piece and then get out of there and never, um, never have them know you're there, right? The point of an observation right. set is to is to gather information, gather gather intel, so that you can then later on, you know, kind of make the move in into really close close quarters and be able to strike and have have an opportunity to kill one, right? That's the whole point of an observation set. If yeah. you can create an entry and exit strategy where you can get to killable positions, but still be able to have that same effect as an observation. Like, even if I don't kill tonight, I'm going to gather intel. I'm just putting myself more so in the game than an observation set. Cause generally in an observation set, you know, you're 80 yards away, you're a hundred yards away and you really don't have a chance to, to kill. It's just too far out of bow range. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of
1: times. Um, but there are, with Florida, like I, I mentioned that they can come from anywhere. So I've had observation sits that turn into kill sits. Uh so <laughs> nice. That's why I always kinda of tell people like, Hey, do an observation sit. It could turn into a, a, a kill. I mean, take for instance my uh Walt, who's uh one of the hosts for our podcast, uh last year he was having some uh issues getting on deer. Um he it was there was a lot of pressure where he was at he had put in a lot of scouting and things like that and things just weren't panning out and i was like hey man i was like just do an observation sit just kind of get where you can see an area where you know there's deer using um set up and he did that and then lo and behold out comes a deer at like 20 yards or actually he saw it at like 70 or 80 so he was kind of was like okay it's an but then all of a sudden it's just started trekking its way right towards him and he he shot the deer um so that (laughs) observation sit turned into a kill sit um, but that doesn't happen all the time, but right. I'm just, it's just a good tool to use, especially to me, if you're not seeing deer at all, then get somewhere where you can see a ways and go, okay, yeah, there's, there's deer coming out over here there's deer coming out over there. Right. And then kind of make a and then make a decision based on, like you mentioned, access, like, okay, how can I access that area without the deer, without blowing it up or the deer knowing that uh, I'm coming in and can I get out of that area, um, as well which that's one of the things that I kind of look at a lot when I'm looking at public and scouting is like, okay, where's, where's my access. And it's either, it's too, it's kind of twofold. It's like, is it super easy access where everybody's and their brother's going to be hunting in that spot? Yeah. And then can I get in those areas without alerting everything in the woods, um, of my presence?
0: Sure. So what are, um, what are those, what are those factors that are going to alert everything in the woods? Like, what are you really trying to avoid when you're planning your entry and exit route? So for somebody who has no, who has no clue, who just kind of goes, I, I just walk to my stand. Like I just take a straight line to my stand and that's, that's how I get there. Um, What is it that you said, what is it about, you know, be like, oh, well, you need to access from here because of A, B and C, and then you're going to have what I like to call like a ghost sit where you get in, get out, and nothing ever knows you're there.
1: Right. Well, obviously the number one factor is going to be wind um, okay. in Florida. And depending on where you're at, uh, Florida does have some areas where it's got swirling winds. So it's difficult. Anyway, anywhere you set up, it's, it's going to swirl. <laughs> um, where I'm at, I get more consistent winds. Uh, Walter always kind of uh, complains to me that he gets a lot of swirling winds and, and things of that bad nature. Hunter yeah exactly <laughs> i'm trying man i'm trying my best but uh
0: i'm kidding. Uh, where i'm know. at i get
1: more cons- i get some more uh consistent winds and i talked to i talk to some people and i'm like hey maybe try to find like a couple of bulletproof stands what i call them like okay if you've got this wind direction you know you can go hunt that spot basically because you may have an area where nothing could come from behind you you know what i mean like You're going to get to an area where deer are going to use this area, but you know nothing can come from behind you and the wind's going to be in your face the entire time. I call that a bulletproof stand because it's an area where I can sneak in. Uh, The deer uh, aren't going to be alerted by my presence. I'm not walking through the woods or anything like I'm using an access road or something of that nature um, where I know uh, deer aren't going to be picking up my scent as I'm walking in and I can just sneak into that stand real quick, get set up, have that wind direction, uh, Cause it'll pretty much stay that wind direction where at least in my experience, I don't get a lot of like, okay, it's going to be out of the South for an hour and then it might shift out of the whatever <laughs> Southeast Easter. or yeah. East or West. So uh, I try to uh, get a couple of bulletproof stands that I call them uh, to set up in sure. for maybe observations or kill areas based on uh, historical data. But somebody, I use a lot of historical data hunting. Now uh, a lot of people, that just start hunting don't have that historical data which historical data to me uh which you mentioned game changer I, that was a game changer for me is all right logging these areas like okay i know in this area this is when they rut this there and over in this area this is when they rut i know this is when this deer likes to show up in this area in the daylight like he may be mm-hmm. uh completely nocturnal and then all of a sudden there's like a weak window where this i know this deer is going to show up uh, in the daylight and i use my Obviously, I'm using trail cameras for that, but just the historical data just keeps coming up to me over and over again, and I'll notice, like, oh, shoot, this deer was here on October 31st last year in the daylight, and now he's over here on October 31st this day in the daylight, so if he's still alive, more than likely, he's going to be cruising through here next year, October 31st, or whatever the little window is that you have, and I think if you use that historical data, maybe you're, you don't hunt as much, but your, your hunts are more efficient. So when you're going in, you're going in for, and I've had to learn that because I like to hunt a lot, but I've kind of, I was like, well, I need to hunt less because it it took a lot of time of me just going in the woods and blowing things up and not seeing um, deer um, because I wasn't worried about the wind direction or anything like that. And messing those like good areas up because it's not necessarily that you're alerting that buck you're there, you're alerting the does and everything else in that area that you're there. And then they're not gonna use that area when that time gets right so he's not going to come to that area.
0: Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So
1: historical data is a, a thing that they need to be thinking about when they first start hunting as well.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree if if anybody's listening to this and you listen to other podcasts of guys who kill mature deer and they're like, "Oh, I killed them on the third sit or I killed them on the sixth sit or I waited till the perfect wind. I went in there and I and I killed them right then." Like I sat one time and I killed them. 99% of that time either they have a cell cam that's telling them exactly when that deer's in there, which right. is totally, totally brand new, but 99% of the time it's historical data that tells them that. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people not necessarily misrepresent or, or forget to forget to mention or forget to discuss because like in order to get to that point where you know the right conditions and the right time of the year and the right entry and exit route, you need historical data you need to fail and you need to you need to learn from that failure and go man i did this all wrong last year because i did a b and c and i blew out all these deer this year i'm going to do it this way and you try it that way and now all of a sudden you're seeing all these deer all the time and then your cat then in your own head you're keeping track of all that information where these deer are coming from where they're headed to you know are they are they active? Are they rutting? Are they just kind of meandering, going to food? Are they browsing along? Are they actually targeting, you know, uh, and like you said, like the orange plantation, or are they actually going after acorns or going after persimmons or what are they actually targeting these deer? And then you can use that to your advantage in the future in subsequent years, year after year after year. And um, And it's just something that has really, really helped me personally. So, You know, three years ago, I started hunting this piece of public land. And I sat almost 70 times in one season, which was a lot for me. And I blew deer up everywhere. Like (laughs) I was all over the place. I hunted, you know, four days a week, five days a week. Um, But that historical data now in year three, I know that, okay, I tried that and I was wrong. Like, I don't need to go there anymore. I only need to go to, you know, if it's a Southeast or a Southwest wind, and it's this time of year, I have four stands that I can pick based on all this historical data, because I've tried 19 before, and I know that the other 15 suck now. So I got four that I can pick from, and that's where I'm gonna go, and that's where my opportunity is gonna be. And same with like a Northwest wind or an East wind or something like that. And getting out there, like you said, and just hunting and putting in the time and actually failing is what gets you there. That's what gets you, gets you the W's in the future. Right. And it yep. is, it is so hard for first time hunters to get out there and it is demoralizing to get out there and like go three, four five times without seeing deer, six times without seeing deer, seven times, you finally see a deer and it smells and off it goes. And you're like, ah, but it at least gets you excited about it. But I promise you it gets better because now you know what you did wrong and now you can do it better next time and you know like oh that deer came from this direction maybe i should move that way and if he came from that direction and my wind was blowing in this direction um it would have gone right to his nose and i would have been toast so now i need to wait for a different wind in order to hunt this area right and just grabbing all that information so that you can just learn from it and and apply it in subsequent years um is that historical data that you talked about and um and that's just that's that's a huge piece that i wanted uh i want to reiterate because it it is huge and and one of my goals and objectives in life is to be able to go onto a piece of public and go there for 10 days and be able to kill kill a good whitetail um when i'm 60 years old i want to be able to do that um i got 40 years to figure the 30, 40 years, how I got 30 years to figure it out. <laughs> but uh, but that's one of that's one of my goals in life. And it's it is just it's something that you learn from hunting. You need to learn, you need to hunt a, a, the same property year over year over year and figure out that property. Figure out what actually like really fine-tune it and figure out what makes that property tick and why the deer like to go certain directions during certain times and all that stuff. And then take that knowledge and try to apply it to a different property. And then if it works there, great. Try it on a different one. If it sucks on that third property, why did it suck? You know, let's figure out how right. we can alter it there. You know, and that's just—it's—it's it's fun. It's kind of like a a, a uh, it's like a real life chess game with deer that puts food on your table and figuring it out, right? Um, yeah. No doubt.
1: I think I heard yeah. it was like Mark Drury one time, uh, and then I've I've also heard some uh several other big buck killers say this is we can say we have a hundred, we go out a hundred times. We can mess up ninety nine out of a hundred of those um and still kill a deer. A deer only has to mess up one time and he's dead you know what I mean like if he messes up that one time then he's dead so you can go out there mess it up all season long like you can go out there from the day beginning and then all of a sudden you get it figured out and you get that one sit and boom you got a deer down Um, so don't be don't be obviously the more you learn and grow the less mistakes you'll make and your chances will get better at the deer making the mistake at that time but um, no. just know at the beginning that you're going to make a bunch of mistakes, but you st- there's still a chance you could kill a deer going out your first yeah. year. <laughs> Not a thing, but I know a lot of guys in Florida, especially hunting public land, uh, struggle for the first couple of years. Cause it's just getting those properties figured out. And, um, once they, once they have an after a year, so don't, don't be, um, don't worry if you're not killing something your first year uh, while you're out in Florida there's a lot of people that have that that same thing uh, for them and a lot in the south um, we have some listeners um, that we kind of con- are in contact with and they'll kind of tell stories like hey I've been hunting public land for a couple of years still hadn't got a, a, a deer on public and we're like man just keep just keep after it because eventually the, you'll have a light bulb that goes off whenever you do get a kill and you go oh okay well this is this is why this happened. And then you need to catalog that and then try to uh, repeat that. Um, And just always continue to learn things and just always be, don't ever let an opportunity where, okay, I saw a deer, don't just kind of brush that off. Go, okay, well, why did I see that deer? Okay, the the wind direction was this. It was a cold snap that came through that got the deer on their feet. Uh, There was a, a food source over here. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can be cataloging while you're out there even if you don't get a kill you're like okay i saw deer on this day why did i see deer today and i hadn't seen deer in the last three sits so if, yep. if you can catalog- start cataloging all those things then your your success rates will uh go up but you gotta like i mentioned for florida you gotta get boots on the ground that's the number one thing yeah. is uh boots on the ground and figuring out the areas because the aerial's not going to tell you a whole lot
0: <laughs> right um so one thing to add to that is um to make sure that you don't sit the same tree every single time you go i see a lot of new hunters get into that habit like oh this is my spot this is where i go and then you know still in year three they're sitting that same like you know two tree stands or a single tree stand and they're like i'm not seeing anything so my biggest piece of advice is diversify your sits like it's it's rare even if i'm hunting like the same like Same like five acres. It's rare for me to sit the exact same tree, because I just like I like to get when I'm learning a property. I like to get the different viewpoints, the different angles, the different like entry and exit routes, and that's where that's where you get a lot of that information. Is like, okay, I sat here last time and I saw a deer over here. Maybe if I sit here this time, am I going to see more deer? Am I going to see less deer? Is it the similar wind? Is a different wind? And then also like the time of the year makes such a difference. You know, if you're hunting September, you know, 19th versus October 20th, like you're going to have totally different deer patterns. It seems like once you finally figure out what they're doing, they're starting to do something else, right? (laughs) It's kind of one of those frustrating pieces. Um, But one other thing that you, that you mentioned a few times is boots on the ground. Is there a better time of year to get boots on the ground where you'll get the most, like for me, like I'm trying to get in Wisconsin, I'm trying to get boots on the ground in March and April. Like I am trying to get out pretty much every weekend and walk in just because all the veg I have, we have seasons up here, right? So we have actual, like all the vegetations down, um, you know, all there's a, you can see everything. You can see all the deer trails really easily. Is there a time like that in Florida that, that makes sense to get
1: out? right um i mean there's definitely uh, less vegetation and things uh in the w- winter time in florida <laughs> okay um and i'll scout um i'll use turkey season a lot to uh for some, some post-season scouting i'd like to do a lot of in-season scouting to be honest with you okay i will do uh in-season scouting for florida just to try to find uh the fresh fresh sign uh, in certain areas um, because there will be times where they, they there are times where they shift and do things like that so I'll try to figure out okay I need to go I haven't found I haven't seen any rubs or scrapes in this area and I know it's getting close to rut so I need to move you know what I mean uh, mm-hmm. obviously I'm not in the right area so I, I like to do uh, in-season scouting to, to try to figure okay they, they're they're over here or whatnot this is where the bucks are at right now um, but as far as after the season, I've never, I, I'll go in a lot, but we don't have it kind of like where y'all do where like the, the snow melt and then you see all these trails and. It's really nice. Uh, everything else, Bob, I wish it was like Florida, but like I said, there's so <laughs> many, uh they can walk anywhere. They're not using defined trails um for the most part. I wish. I wish there were areas where I could be in a tree and be like, okay, there's three main trails that kind of come together 20 yards from this tree. It, there's not a lot of that in Florida, um, so maybe going back and if you can, you can go after the season catalog. Like, okay, there was a bunch of rubs in this area, uh, a bunch of scrapes and things in this area, so I need to probably catalog that for whenever my rut time is for Florida, because we mentioned that the rut is all over the map yeah. for Florida. So you could either be starting the season in rut or uh, in the panhandle, their rut in the panhandle would be, there's some rut in February up there. They'll they'll be rutting in February there. And then you can have a rut in o- August in South Florida. Where I'm at, it's uh, January between uh, like October 20th and November 1st. So it's not too far off from what your like a traditional rut area would be. And I think a lot of that kind of has to do with uh, Florida had a lot of deer that got imported into the state. Uh, at one point we had low deer okay. low deer numbers so we got kind of deer from everywhere so um I, those from what i understand is those doves will still kind of keep their estrus cycles for the most part um mm-hmm. but and that's why you you kind of get a weird rut all over the state but as far as like south florida um i, I couldn't tell you why they're rutting in <laughs> august over there other than i know they they get a lot of floods and things like that, so maybe over time they just they had to adapt to where okay we need to we do need to drop our fawns at a certain time down yeah. here for for survival rates. Um, I have heard that, but sure, it's Florida's a it's it's a tricky state, man. It it really yeah. is, and it's one that you you have to put a, a lot of time in. And everybody that I know that's really successful puts a lot of time in uh, scouting and just being out in the woods trying to figure things get things figured out on the the properties or the public that they're hunting
0: right okay so then in like that pre-october time frame are you guys are you mainly just like looking at those food sources and travel routes is that what you're going after or i mean are you like if you're seeing if you go into the woods and on opening day and you're like holy cow there's a couple rubs and there's a scrape like are you going to mark that and sit on that or are you like now i'm pretty sure they're over on this food source so i'm gonna kind of start at that food source and work my way back from wherever they're coming from
1: yeah um it just depends on maybe what the food source is at the time because like there's food kind of everywhere uh for them unless like you're on private and you've got food plots and things like that or or feeders you can you can kind of do that a little bit more um i do have areas um i hunt I like guess I mentioned I hunt a mixture of private and public. Down in Florida, we have what we call them hunting clubs. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Okay. It's just it's like big uh, timber tract that is kind of leased out by those companies and people uh, sign on a, a lease for it. And then we just call it a hunting club where you may have like 10 members or you could have 200 members depending on uh, the size of the uh, property that you're hunting okay and that one's one you, you would you just you pay like dues like you pay yearly dues for
0: and then anybody and, can hunt anywhere <laughs> sorry i lost you for a second chase
1: yeah um, yeah
0: no and then anyone can anyone can hunt like anywhere on that lease Uh,
1: for the most part, we like, you have kind of like, you can pick like some primary areas that you want to hunt. Um, so depending on like what your seniority would be in that club is kind of, so if you're the new person, obviously you're not going to get the (laughs) the best areas. Yeah. Um, and I've been in that one for, uh, I think this would be my either, this would be my 13th year, um, that I've been in that one. And mainly I got in that one because that was where I first started hunting. That's how my father-in-law got me involved in, into hunting. I was able to get in there. And it's five minutes from my house. So literally I can drive and be there in That's five nice. minutes. So it's yeah. kind of like a convenience thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to go hunt this evening. And it takes <laughs> me five minutes to get there and then whatever it takes me uh, to get to uh, the stand. But what I have noticed in those areas is if I see sign, like you mentioned, like rubs and scrapes popping up in certain areas, then I'll go hunt it pretty close. I'll go, okay, I need to go hunt over in this area. So I will go hunt in that area. I may not hunt like directly over a rub or a scrape but I may have, through an, through observation or years of hunting there, Going I, a lot of the deer like to use this particular area right here, um, so I'll, I'll hunt those areas, and I've had a lot of success doing that. It's just finding, going to those, like, traditional areas that I've hunted before and just go, okay, I know it's hot over here, like, between October 12th and October 20th, so I'm gonna go to that area between that time, and I have I see I've got that, I've hunted that place so long that I've kind of got it calculated I'm like okay over here I'm going to start over here a little bit early season because I know they may be hitting some of these food sources or moving a little bit this way and then kind of pre rut time uh, I know over here is really good for pre rut and then rut uh, I'll kind of stick it out in some area is where but it's like an area where i, I have an opportunity because our, our rut kind of coincides with our muzzleloader season where i'm at so okay. i'll hunt bow i hunt all of it so um i'm an equal opportunity uh because <laughs> in florida like i said there's not a lot of areas to pinch near down so yeah um bow season is like i said it's hot it's tough but i mean i i last year was actually my best year uh with my bow and i took three bucks during our archery season last year Florida right now is you can take five deer, which either they can all five be bucks or you can take two does and three bucks um, for the state of Florida. So I didn't mention that. I was kind of talking about how the rules used to be, but I never yeah. really mentioned what they are now. Get so um, Yeah, exactly. Kind of got sidetracked uh, in, in that area, but I just have that area kind of calculated on, okay, I know where, which part of this area I want to be, but you mentioned like we have two primary areas and then, you can kind of move around the, that club some, uh, as long as you're not within a distance of someone's primary area. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a bigger area, but it's not a, uh, it's not so small to where you're going to be right on top of somebody. If you kind of got in their area, there's definitely a lot of room uh, on it for the amount of members. Oh, um, sure. And then I have another area that I've hunted for like the last four years and it took me about three years to like, three years to like really get a good like historical grasp on what goes on that property and where it's going on on that as well, through um, using using trail cameras and just being there um, and seeing like deer movement and things like that. Um, So it, it it takes time, like I'm sure it takes years to learn uh, properties up there to really get like efficient at um, those properties.
0: Sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I got to imagine that's the same everywhere. Like, you know, you just got to put in your time. Like you said, put boots on the ground, put in your time, fail a lot, and eventually you start figuring it out. Um, yeah.
1: And
0: yeah. And we've mentioned trail cameras a few times. So, in terms of like running trail cameras, I mean, you got, you definitely have some on food sources or your feeders like you said on the private just to get some inventory see what's going on out there yeah if you're if you're on public um you know are you mainly just looking at putting them can you put them out on public yeah yeah you can put cameras
1: out on public Um, um so
0: are you mainly just putting them on trails and just seeing what's going on or how are you kind of deploying those if you're out on public
1: Uh, on public i will try to incorporate uh maybe some mock scrapes like i'll make uh, scrapes to try to draw them in i've had uh, some pretty good success with uh making my or finding uh traditional scrape areas like if you know this area is a scrape area i'll i'll go in there and freshen it up put cameras up and you'll be surprised at just the amount of deer that come They, they may not freshen it up or do anything to it but they they may be licking, doing the licking branch thing that they like to do. Um, what are you, uh,
0: to, what are you doing for your mock scrapes? Like, how are you, how are you making
1: those? Uh, for my mock scrapes, I just go in and i like I said, I try to find a historical scrape that's already there. Um, and then if I'm out there, either I'll have, I'll have like a machete or I'll take um, like a big stick or something like that and just, just freshen up the, the dirt and I'll try to make it pretty, big so is a visual indication as well um i think they kind of cue in on that that visual and for some reason deer just seem to like churned up dirt i mean have you ever i know uh, a lot of people like till and things like that for their food plots you go till up that that dirt and then you go there the next day and you can see just tracks everywhere where deer had walked all over that dirt. So <laughs> yeah. not if it's just a smell that they like um but no i
0: yeah we uh we had this we have a Creek that kind of comes through our property. And there was, we found like a real old campsite along the Creek. We bought the property last year. And um, so we were like, Oh, this is a pretty cool like spot. Obviously like people thought it was cool earlier. Um, We're going to clean it all out. It was all full of weeds and and just all sorts of crap Um, like the cut down trees and they just leave them there. So we had to clean it all out. And when we cleaned it out, we had tractor in there and everything was churned up you know pretty much there was nothing there so we planted grass everywhere and the next week we came in and like it was like the deer came in and you know pushed the seed into the ground for us (laughs) like they were just all over this (laughs) thing and i was like holy cow i should have put a trail camera on this because they're just all over the place oh
1: yeah yeah i think for some reason they like that fresh dirt yeah um i don't know
0: no okay But yeah, with trail cameras, you're looking at trying to find historical scrapes, which again, goes back to scouting or at least like make possibly making a a scrape, a mock scrape along a trail or where maybe two trails cross or something so that you can just get them to kind of stop and see what they're doing. Got it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. And then if I can get a flat or something, or if there's something dropped, like I said, if there's persimmons or grapes or anything like that falling in an area then i'll obviously put a camera kind of on those food source areas or if i can find like say a good pinch or something along those lines then i'll I'll deploy a camera in a a good pinch area um do
0: you for the public
1: uh... getting pictures is tough for the i mean it it, you don't want to you're not going to expect to see just like or at least for me and uh, a lot of my buddies that hunt public and stuff is like getting getting pictures without like using bait or something like that. Like you're not going to have a ton. Like you, you you may get pictures like, okay, that buck's in this area, but you may only get one picture of them or something, maybe two pictures of them, but you know, they're in that area. At least helps you go. Okay. They're in that. They're not coming like every day to it, but you do get kind of like an indicator, right? There's does using this area. There are some bucks using this area.
0: Got it. Is there, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of food sources, but if I were to drop you on a piece of public, and I said, hey, there's there's acorns, persimmons, grapes, and – yeah, there's acorns, persimmons, and grapes. What one are you going to go check out first for sign?
1: Uh, what time of year is it? Is it From, right at the beginning of the like season? September, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to, to the uh, persimmons
0: persimmons that's where you're going and it depends first.
1: on what type of maybe acorn it is as well like maybe a white oak might be a little bit different than our live oaks because we have like the white oak because uh, our live oaks are kind of like a red oak so they mainly wait to hit those kind of a little bit later on in the season okay um well, because of the acidity of them gotcha. but i would go to i would go look at the persimmon mainly to see okay is it are the is it ripe um are they dropping because like the persimmons dropping are kind of like a dinner bell form as well Um, okay so if i if i had a a hot persimmon tree i would definitely that'd probably be the first place i would go
0: and if you're not using trail cameras you're essentially just looking for for trails coming to that tree or maybe there's there's a few of them together or something like that and then you're looking looking for tracks and just kind of getting a general idea if deer are in that area
1: yeah, right. yeah using using tracks uh to see if the trails have been hit recently uh maybe i mean a lot of people like to look deer poop things like that that you can kind of key on and go okay they're, they're obviously spending some time in this area uh, maybe sure. i wanted to deploy a camera over here but it's a lot of trial and error too so um you may you may have to move them a lot just into to try to find some of those places but then once kind of like say if you can get like historical areas after a while then that's kind of where you are probably going to want to put your cameras
0: yeah no and that makes that makes a lot of sense because i'm just thinking like if if i'm somebody new or if i'm struggling and getting that deer killed or something um maybe i want to instead of if i have a day to hunt maybe instead of taking that day to hunt kind of like you said in season scout and just you know, say I want to hunt from, you know, seven, seven, 6 PM to 9 PM. And maybe I can get out there at like three o'clock. Maybe I go take a look on the other side of the property that I'm not hunting. And I just go look at the different food sources or just kind of go scout. And then I'll head over to where I want to hunt by about five thirty or so, so I can get set up and I'm ready to go for the last couple hours of light. Right. And I can check those food sources see if there's any good sign there and if there is maybe i just set up on that you know and i'm just i'm there and i'm ready otherwise then i can go back over to my other area and check that out but it's kind of i i'm just kind of trying to think of it from some someone else's perspective like oh yeah i do remember there were some persimmon trees over here i saw those when i looked at it right. in april maybe i should go check that out right and see if yeah
1: and, right yeah and that. you can know that kind of uh scouting maybe within the last month or things like that, you can kind of, you can go out there a little bit in the summer. Um, I just don't like the summer because it's a hundred degrees outside. You've got your ticks. Uh, we've got red bugs and things down here. Snakes that we get, rattlesnakes, moccasins, all those that you have to uh, deal with yeah, I'm not, as well.
0: Yep. I'm, I'm cool without it's, all that
1: stuff. It's i It's not, have not as a, a, big enough a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I'll do it if it's a new piece of property and I've never hunted it, obviously I'm going to go, I would go now. Like you said, like even if it was a month or so before the season, obviously just to get a little idea, okay, this is the lay of the land. Right. These are maybe I'll look at the area. will go, okay, maybe these are some of the areas I want to check out real quick. Um, and uh, you may just have to use that. For, you're probably just going to have to use that first season is, uh, is this is all trial and error. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to learn as much as I can and uh, yeah. make some mistakes. Sure and, and okay. use those to help me uh, in the future. But there's, like I said, there's a lot, there's a healthy doe, at least where I'm at, there's a healthy doe population. So you don't have to set your sights on a monster buck or anything that first season. I would just recommend, go out and shoot some does. Just get some does and things figured out. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes when you find the does, you find the bucks as well. So um, at least whatever the, their rut time is or pre-rut time is, that that's what's gonna be the case. So get out, have some fun, get some experience just killing deer. Uh, a lot of times you don't you don't want a big wall hanger walking at me, the first deer walking out in front of you for the most part. <laughs> some people are have ice cold veins and things like that, but uh, just get other that people,
0: experience. Yeah. Like me, the the my arrow would fall off my rest and I just drop my bow. <laughs> I just <did> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, so one other thing I want to ask you um before we wrap up here is so it's 95 degrees out. What's like? I mean, you shoot one. Are you trying to find that thing like as fast as you can and just getting the skin off of it and getting it hung up, or what's the what's the protocol for when you do actually kill one?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely on them uh, hotter evenings. I'm obviously I'm gonna want to try to wait for like a good clean shot on a deer so I can get a quick kill on them. For the most mm-hmm. part, um, the the worst thing you want to do is. Maybe to kind of uh, hit, hit one in the guts or do something like that because you probably, if you wait 15 hours or they could die, whatever, three hours later or something, you, you don't want to have to be going in the next day to go retrieve one. Like uh, a lot of times right. you see, it's like, oh, I'm going to wait till the next day to go get the deer. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to wait maybe 30 minutes, an hour or something like that and, and go yeah. look for them. So obviously you want to, which was, is in any case, you want to try to get a good clean kill no matter what you're doing. But um, you really kind of need to be uh, concerned about that in uh, Florida for sure, because you don't want, like I said, you don't want your deer sitting out in 95, 100 degree uh, weather for uh, five, six hours uh, without um, finding it. So, but yeah, I'll normally go. uh, It just depends. Like if I, if I hear it crash or something and I know it's down for the most part, I'll get down Almost away right away. Start start looking for it. And then if if I feel kind of iffy about the shot, then generally I'll give it a couple hours. I've never really had a problem giving a deer a couple hours or something like that and going in and uh getting them later. Never really had any problems with it. Okay. So
0: Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know if there was anything special. That's the same. That's the exact same with us here. Um, you know, in our my early season, I'm in southern Wisconsin. Um a hot day would be eighty degrees. That'd be a hot day. A typical day would be in like sixty-eight to seventy-five, somewhere in that range. Um. okay So it's not like it's not outrageous, but then you can also get days where it's a high of 55, right? And a low of like 42. Right. So those okay. are the days that you really want to hunt <laughs> right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, but, see, we uh, don't get those
1: early season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I just didn't know if there was any, any sort of special care that you took to that animal being that it was so hot, you know, I mean, just getting them, getting them cut up and everything right as fast as you can. It's probably the best way to go and get them on ice. Right. Um, Yep.
1: Yep. No doubt, man.
0: Okay, cool. Well, um, I like to end it in, in this fashion. Um, if you could give one, one piece of advice to a hunter this season, um, somebody somebody that's been hunting less
1: than 5 years what would you what would you give them oh, <laughs> one piece of advice for somebody less than 5 years yeah um for somebody less than 5 years i would tell them to hunt as much as you can or hunt or scout as much as you possibly can like don't make any excuses on why you can't get out there if you can only get out there for an hour get out there for an hour because you might find something in that hour uh that could help make you uh, successful i that's i do that all the time so i still do that if i can get out maybe maybe it's just to check a trail camera or maybe it's just to go glass a field real quick or anything like that if you can get out there get out there and uh, get boots on the ground as much as you possibly can because That's in my opinion, especially in a a state like Florida. And it just you just get more opportunities that way, especially less than five years. Just get as much information as you can in those five years.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And and I'd give that less than five years just because I have to I have to give you some kind of parameter. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a broad question, right? Yeah, um, yeah,
1: get 1,000 cell cams <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Get 1,000 cell cams and you should be all right. <laughs> Put them every exactly. 20 yards. <laughs> 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 you imagine the data plan on that? <laughs> they even
1: have sponsorship awesome. for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, hey, Chase, it's been great having you on, man. Um, tell people where they can find you quick before we log off here.
1: All right. Well, you can tails out. Can you hear me? What's that?
0: All right. Hold on a second. There we go. We're back, We're back in it. Don't worry. I can edit that out. I'm probably not going to, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No problem, man. Uh, they can find me, uh, we can find us on our social stuff, chasing tails, uh, outdoor podcast. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us anywhere. Uh, you can get podcasts uh, like your, uh, what is it? The podcast app on, uh, Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Podbean. Yeah. iTunes. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm not thinking of that right now, but, uh, yeah, you can find us on all of those, uh, platforms, uh, my Instagram handles chase prince 12. I have a personal one, but I don't use it that much. I mainly use the uh, chase and tails uh, podcast, Instagram and social media stuff. So yeah, that's where you can find us at.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Stick around. We got a few more early season episodes coming to you and chase and tails. We were talking earlier. These guys do a lot of Florida based hunting, Southern based hunting, and that's kind of their their niche and they have a lot of phenomenal information on that so if you are from that area or you have similar terrain definitely check them out because it's it's super deep dives into that stuff so we covered kind of broad topics today um but these guys really nail down and get into that really nitty gritty of those that kind of terrain and different the, the different zones the different seasons all that kind of stuff so uh definitely go give them a look all right um thanks for joining us guys catch you next time